This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Bessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler. There's a lot of talk about power these days. Who has it, why they have it, and how to get it. And of course, use it for good instead of evil. One of the newer ways of amassing power is through social media. How many followers do you have? Who is hearing your message? It's easier than ever to get the word out to far more people than you could ever reach in person. But some of this power is unfortunately being used if not exactly for evil, certainly not for the greater good. But social media is one of the great equalizers. You can get your word out too, if you know how. And I know that my listeners are all about the greater good, as is my guest today, Marcel Allen. For the past eight years, Marcel has supported remarkable leaders and has served as a digital cheerleader, also known as a social media manager. She's worked with small town heroes, public figures, and even celebrities. Marcel believes in the power of the well-connected person and knows search engines connect intellectuals around the globe daily and social media connects hearts and pocketbooks in ways her grandparents' generation couldn't imagine. In 2015, she developed a discovery deck, which is a deck of cards designed to help people get comfortable with all the moving pieces of a successful online marketing campaign. She hosts Developing Digital You training workshops at the Remarkable Room in downtown Bothell here in beautiful Washington State and loves watching her clients' eyes light up with how easy it can be. Her favorite networks are YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook, and she knows it's not enough to be a thought leader. You also need to be a visual leader in today's social economy. In her teenage years, she hated the advertising industry, but when one client's dream was bigger than her skill set, she enjoyed learning it and embraced the potential. It's no longer a fear, but a way to accelerate a polished message and help more people. Marcel's personal dream is that the financial industry would go through a creative transformation and that their useful knowledge would be easier for everyday folks to understand and consume with speed and efficiency. She's currently working on a book titled Financial Joy, Know the Data Behind Your Dreams. Welcome, Marcel. Hey, thanks so much, Kate. It's wonderful to be here. For the past eight years, you've been, I love this term, a digital cheerleader, (laughs) also known as a social media manager. Did you ever have a corporate job? Um, I did. Before I got into social media, actually, right out of college, I worked at Boeing for about nine months, and I actually... I enjoyed the idea of being part of a, you know, a big dream or the dreamliner at that time, and it ended up not being very great. I'm, I'm a creative butterfly, and to put me inside of a cubicle inside of a cubicle was pretty painful, so <laughs> it didn't last very long. I learned a lot. I actually learned a lot about project management when I was there and creating, you know, goals and timelines and, you know, reports and all sorts of things, so it was very valuable, but it was not 
um, I didn't want to be in the box. I wanted to build a box. (laughs) (laughs) You say in your teenage years that you hated the advertising industry. I'm not sure I even thought about the advertising industry when I was a teenager. Tell me about that. What did you hate about it? Yeah, I was just very cautious of, you know, the message that was being put into my head. And I didn't like commercials. I didn't like, you know, going to the mall and they would tell you you had to look this way or dress that way or wear these shoes. And I was just, I kind of had, um, I don't know if it was a pure heart, but I wanted I wanted real and I wanted authentic. And I craved um, just something kind of wholesome. And I didn't get that from the messages I was marketed to as a, you know, as a young woman. I felt like I had to dress a certain way or look a certain way or get this type of car. And I, th- I used to think, you know, really poorly among advertisers thinking they were just trying to brainwash us or make us buy stuff. And so I had a really sour taste in my m- mouth about advertising. And now I've had a whole 360 because it's like, wow, there's, there's power that can be good with advertising and it can be a really cool tool to accelerate a great message. So I've had a big flop with that, but um, and actually, Dreamosity, the name of my business, it's dreams plus curiosity plus generosity. And it's how can we be more generous with technology, right? So within that has become advertising is one of my, the things I actually sell for people. I, I run Facebook ads and Pinterest ads, and, and I want to help people, once they're ready, accelerate that message. Whereas, you know, back in my teenage years, I just, I frowned upon it. I thought it wasn't, you know, pure. I thought it was kind of corrupt. And now I'm like, hey, man. Facebook just wants us to pay to play. So let's play, right? (laughs) And uh, it can be really, really great for people who are growing a business. Yeah. And I think the advertising industry itself may have changed a little bit with the advent of social media. And certainly the perception of how to serve clients as opposed to how to manipulate clients, at least, you know, in the circles that you and I uh, learn in and network in. Um, it's more about making people aware of the thing that you have that could really help them as opposed to trying to make somebody buy something they don't need because you need to make your numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tell me about some of your clients, if you can, the small town heroes, public figures and celebrities and how you've helped them. Yeah, sure. So I, what I teach in my workshop is this framework called the social audience matrix. And within that, I measure everywhere from rookie to an MVP, right? So, you know, rookie, A, double A, triple A, uh, and then MVP at the top. And on the top, I measure audience size. So anywhere from zero to 100 to 1,000 to 10,000 or to 100,000 and now plus a million. Um, and part of, I've created that because after working with Les Brown, who's a very uh, motivational speaker, celebrity, you know, public speaker type, I scaled his brands from 35,000 to 100,000 fans in about six months, right? So that was my first real experience at the, the Facebook ads game. And it was phenomenal. And it was way easier than I thought. And so and he had a huge vision, right? He He's living in the legacy phase of his life. And he wanted to basically help 100,000 people develop their voice as public speakers. So he had a huge and remarkable vision. He just didn't know how, right? He barely wanted to do video or, um, you know, conference calls or anything, but he had a message and he was hungry. So he actually, um, at the time I was working with him, he had five different marketing teams supporting him, and I was supporting on the, the Facebook ad side. But once they realized how fast it could be, it was like, wow, anybody with a good message could do this. 
And so now, um, you know, a lot of my clients are either beginners or they're authors or maybe they're experts in their field, but they've got a hundred fans or a thousand fans. And they, they think 10,000 fans is so far out of their reach that a hundred thousand even, you know, it's not even in their, their concept. They're just trying to get over, you know, to 500 or something. And so I often show people this matrix so they can better understand there are different tactics with social media that help us accelerate um, different tactics, increase our celebrity or our, you know, brand uh, reputation or, you know, the quality of our brand or how much we can charge. So there's a lot of different tactics that the social media world can bring into play. Um, so sometimes I'll work with an author who, you know, they've got a, they published a book or a second book and they've, they've just got a hundred fans and now it's, well, how can we sell, you know, 10 books a month? How can we sell 20 books a month? Um, sometimes I'm working with, uh, I'm trying to think of some other people. I work with a lot of communities. Anybody leading a group right now, I feel like I'm connected to probably 25 Facebook groups and, and the leaders of those groups. So a lot of times I have kind of to have a vision just to serve and to support and to encourage people, right? So I help like illuminating women. I think you've heard of them. They're an incredible group run by two women who huge vision, huge hearts, but not the most technical skill set, right? So I just get to support them with Facebook ads, with understanding how you know all the little widgets within Facebook works. And they, they're off and running, you know, so they're doing great things with that. Um, and then, of course, with Laugh Tech, we've really collaborated. We, we've used Laugh Tech to collaborate with other comedians and other public speakers. So we have a constant pool of talent that we can pull from because of a great Facebook group we found early on about, you know, a comedian resource group. So it's been fun and having a different type of talent to work with there because comedians are, you know, their own, their own breed. But they're wonderful, and they've got these great stories, and they're passionate about telling them. Uh, so there's there's a lot of great people I've worked with, and um, in my book, really, the one on financial joy, it's I've seen a lot of people kind of fail out of business too, and that's where I want to help people know that there's different things that they need to get to the next step, right? Because most businesses don't last past two years, but if you understand how to sell with social media or how to serve in a way that you get business, it then becomes a way that you can make your dream come true. Mm. Your favorite social networks are YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook. That's a lot to keep up with. How would you recommend <laughs> yeah. someone focus their social media presence so they don't get overwhelmed? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to experiment and to try different ones. But if it's something you like, I'm not huge on Twitter because I can't keep up with how fast that conversation goes. Um, but definitely experiment with a couple and see what you like. And don't be afraid to shut an account down if you, know, you end up not wanting one. Um, I would say definitely the four that I mentioned would be really good starts for people, even just to get the backlink from such a high, you know, high quality site. It's going to help your your own SEO ranking. Um, but there, there's a different language to each of them, right? So Facebook's more of kind of a social kind of, um, it's just more of a playful feel, whereas like LinkedIn or Pinterest can be more polished of a message, more, you know, Pinterest is very aspirational. It's all about, you know, the visual. And a lot of people say, well, I'm a life coach. Can I can I make money with Pinterest? I'm like, yes, yes, of course you can. Um, and then I always dive into my Rika Zimmerman story, who was a life coach, and I actually helped her create um, a huge Pinterest contest way back in the day when Pinterest contests were were legit. Um, and it was forty thousand dollars in a month, right, from an eight hundred dollar course that she was selling. So it was a huge campaign because people are there, they're shopping, they're looking for things. So if if you you know kind of 
not been impressed with Pinterest yet, I would encourage you guys to give it another look because it's got such a visual way to represent your product. And there's a lot of ways to take your information, maybe from a book or from a podcast, and extend it out and make it more visual. And that's where when you get creative and you, you know, Instagram's great because it's got the small squares, but Pinterest lets you go tall and skinny, and that can take up a lot more of the virtual real estate on somebody's desktop. You can actually kind of hog hog the attention of the newsfeed when you when you have tall, beautiful graphics for blog posts or you know websites. Um, hmm. And then Facebook, I mean, Facebook's a favorite. I think people should all be there, <laughs> at least just to keep up with their family and friends if they want. But there's there's huge business being done on Facebook right now. Huh. that's interesting. I had actually heard the opposite that Facebook was yeah. kind of for old people. That everybody's on Instagram uh, now. <laughs> Instagram is definitely contending, and there there's a lot of money to be made there, and a lot of good to do. Essentially, you know, it's not just about you know the, the sales side of it. It's how can you show your message in a creative way? And I know that like with Instagram, if you I don't know if you're doing a pattern or not with your Instagram account, but I love it when people do these beautiful patterns because then you know what to expect, right? If they've got a message or they've got kind of a you know a clear voice as a thought leader, you can see really beautiful messages on their pages. Whereas if it's just, you know, your puppy and your salad and your sunset, it's like how many sunset photos feeds can we follow, right? At the end of the day, we're trying to – everyone's on their own journey, and how does your message support somebody else's journey? And that's an important, you know, thing to be considering. Right, right. Um, and well, I haven't even touched Snapchat, so I don't know about that one. Oh. <laughs> I felt too old for that one, and I'm only 35. <laughs> I don't know. Snapchat is, mm, I don't hear many people talking about it. I don't think it's a big, yeah. at least it for the business community. Yeah, not for our generation. <laughs> yeah. So most of the people I interview have gone through some sort of life altering event. And you are no different. I know it's yeah. painful for you. But would you mind sharing just a bit? Yeah, so almost four years ago now, I lost my husband uh, tragically and unexpectedly, and I my, you know, my whole world stopped. My whole business stopped. Everything just was terrible for quite a season. Um, it was one of those things where it really makes you realize, well, wait, who am I and what am I doing here? And I'm still alive, and, and what can I do with this life I, you know, I have the gift of? Um, so for me, my grief's been interesting. You know, the first year I was crawling and then I was walking and I started to jog a little bit last year. And now this year, I feel like maybe I can kind of run, I can up my game and, you know, do more, um, participate more in the world on, you know, a grand scale perhaps. Um, but it's been, it's been really, really hard, but, but having the gift of life and living in the world that we live in now with the technology and the opportunity to collaborate with anybody, anywhere, it's phenomenal, right? So when I hear people, you know, whining or moaning about how hard things are, I'm like, this is the most exciting time to be alive, right? So for me, kind of one of my nicknames is Hallmark because I'm ridiculously optimistic. <laughs> um, and even even during my grief, people are like, why are you smiling? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, there's plenty of tears that I don't, you know, I don't share that on Facebook and I don't share that at the networking events, perhaps. But there's, um, to me, losing someone I loved so dearly helped me realize um, how valuable the gift of life is. Because he was 33. He was young, very, very young. And Mm -hmm. so for me, you know, if we get to 40, that's amazing. If we get to 50, wow. You know, 60, like, what a blessing. And so 
I have such a new lease on life, and granted, it's been hard navigating alone and having to find new friends. And I, I've moved twice since then, trying to find, you know, where do I want to be in the world? Um, and that's always hard. You know, it's really, really hard to, to begin again. And, and partly because I have a very public presence online. I'm, I'm pretty active online. I'm managing or managing dozens of accounts, right? So I've got to separate my my voice of someone who's in mourning to still have that business voice. And I've had to work really hard at keeping my clients' accounts, you know, where they need to be um, because their brand may not have suffering or grief in their voice, right? So I've got to, I've got to be really careful in how I um, serve my clients. At the same time, I've learned a lot, and I, everyone's grieving something or someone, or they're going to be soon, right? So I've, um, there's, there's a gift in that tragedy, and I think the more a community struggles, the more it comes together, right? There's always a blessing for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just every day we have is a gift, and I want people, you know, my business is Dreamosity because I want to support people with a dream. And if they don't have a dream, they just want a paycheck, they're not for me. Right. So for me, it's all about who's got a dream and how do they um, one of the questions I ask is, well, what's the dream of your industry and how can we serve the people going there? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think things are moving really, really quickly these days in the online world and people can come up you know, from behind you or under you or somewhere and they can just excel if they are using technology, you know, whether it's advertising or video or podcast, if they're. If they're hungrier than you are, you can kind of get lapped in a sense. And I want to encourage people to you know, be in the game at least and then play the best you can. Collaborate with great players. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. Yeah. It's did you, um, did you, I think you said you didn't really share that on social media. Is that right? Is that what you said? I mean, some people knew, and I mean, the, the memorial service was, 300 plus people. So a lot of people knew, but I've got friends in Florida and California and all over, you know, the continent and they didn't necessarily know what was going on. I mean, you know how the news feeds are. If you miss, you know, one weekend or one week, you're going to miss what happened in somebody else's life. So even though I shared about it, I don't, um, I don't have my relationship status set because I know that to be a young widow, um, or I've been told from some mentors that people will kind of go after you. People will kind of take advantage of that. And so I've been a little bit careful because, um, you know, traditionally people assume they're going to inherit money. So, you know, so it kind of puts a target on your back. And I've I've tried hard not to have that target there, which is weird because at the same time, you want comfort. You um, You want support, you know. And even this last December, I, uh, right after Thanksgiving, I, I posted on Facebook, and this was, I was proud of myself for this. Anybody out there who's grieving right now, I recommend you do this. Um, but I posted on Facebook, I don't want to have a single dinner alone in December. Who wants to have dinner with me? Right? So I, I literally had 31 dinner parties in December, and I made a real, you know, a real point to not be having a sad, sappy time because you know, the holidays can be hard when you're grieving. And it's one of those things where I was really proud of myself to ask for the help because the year before was terrible, Kate. Like, I was just miserable. And nobody mm-hmm. knew it. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's, that's one of the challenges with social media is we just have the positive side. Then people don't know, hey, I should reach out to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been well, a hard balance for me to find. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the reasons that I asked that question is because it, it does seem like, I suppose an obvious place to go for support. I know yesterday 
I think it was yesterday or the day before, I literally read like almost every single post that I read in my newsfeed was somebody died. And I thought, oh, yeah. my gosh, Ugh. I have I have got yeah. to stop reading this. It's so depressing. Like my I, my heart goes out to these people. But what is going mm-hmm. on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, no, and it's it's a huge trigger. Every time I see someone else die, I think about my loss, you know, and now I'm like, shoot, they're going through what I'm going through. <laughs> like it's a weird thing. Yeah. So besides the obvious, how did your life really change after that? Yeah, well I moved I was living up in Santa Valley at the time. I moved down to Bothell. Um I had kind of been hoping for a new office space because I've been working from home and when you're grieving you don't want to be working from home right Right. you need to be out and get the hugs and the handshakes so I I did a ton of networking I you know I went to almost every meetup or networking group I could find Uh, but then I found an office space it was really affordable here in downtown Bothell so having a space to come and to do workshops and to meet with clients and you know not have to go to Starbucks every you know client meeting that's been one of the biggest shifts just in my own business and it's it's been good because the grief, if, again, if you're alone working from home, it's it's trouble. But if you're out in the community and people know where you are and they can come to your events, like there's a, I've been able to help build a lot of communities in that way. Um, I mean, the nature of my clients is I, I encourage them all to have a Facebook group. So now I have all these different communities of support that are now around me, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, a lot of laugh tech came about because of, my own, you know, grief or whatnot, because there's a season when you're grieving and nobody knows what to say to you, right? People are just kind of like, shoot, I don't know how to talk to her right now. Like, I I can't even relate. Um, So for me, you know, I didn't want to just go to church and get before, and I didn't want to go out to the bar and get drunk, right? But I wanted something to do that was fun. And I looked around in the marketplace. I was like, where, what do people do for fun around here? And there wasn't a lot of fun. Um, that I was finding. And so for me, humor became a big part of, of my healing journey because I did like a Toastmasters conference uh, maybe two months after my husband died. And it was all about comedy, comedy, humor, and improv. And it was amazing. And I laughed so hard and I felt so good for the first time in a long time. And I had not really respected comedy as a, an art form before. I just kind of thought it was a waste of time. I don't know why. I was just too serious or something. Uh, but I fell in love with this idea that you can go watch people and they can make you laugh, right? So I've had a whole transformation um, of, you know, just a worldview shift in that sense because with all my online marketing, I knew that, you know, if we're doing videos or podcasts and if we're boring, people don't watch to the end, right? So I had a lot of clients who were also very serious and, you know, sophisticated, but they weren't maybe the most memorable person in the room, and I had to find a way to get them to help make their message more memorable. So part of my transition is I've been interviewing comedians. We've been doing you know, this whole humor curriculum I've created uh, with the founder, Brian Trandler, who I think you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just been a whole fun shift because it's not just about you know uh, making Pinterest work or making YouTube work. It's how do you make your message more fun and more memorable and humorous even. So it's been a total joy in that sense. Like humor is a very good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. We definitely need more of it in this world. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we've got to take a short break. When we come back, financial joy. What a concept. 
<laughs> Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Glad you're back. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Kate Bessler, and today I'm talking with Marcel Allen. Marcel, first let me say, I love the title of your book, Financial Joy. It seems like an oxymoron. How did you come <laughs> up with that? Yeah, great, great question. So actually last year in 2017, I was working with a client to create a course on financial intelligence. And that ended up being a little bit too big of a project for us to, to, to handle, right? We were trying to map everything from financial foolishness on the far left to financial intelligence on the far right. And there are so many pieces, Kate, and there are so many, you know, dips and turns and just complicated scenarios that it was it was almost too big. So this is kind of a a personal downsell from that in the sense that it's it's part of what I've learned from working on that course and working with my own sales coach and with the people I, I work with here at the Remarkable Room, um, knowing that even my clients when they come to me and they want to, you know, go leverage social media and they want to make you know, more money online or they want to do something, so many people have this major fear or frustration with money. And and part of what I wanted to help people do, and even for myself, I wanted to help people understand the data behind their dreams so then they could then just work at the level they needed to work at. Um, so financial joy is part about budgeting and, you know, looking at your data. And part of it's about understanding your own sales, sales funnel or um, sales pipeline, and then our quota that we have to earn as business owners each month. Now, if you're, you know, commissioned, you obviously someone gives you a sales quota. But most of us, when we start a business, it's not like somebody says, "Well, you need to go out there and quote, you know, fifty thousand dollars this month so you can make five thousand. Like nobody tells us that, <laughs> you know, nobody told me that at least. And so part of this, um, the concept is to help people get familiar with the numbers that they're working with and then understand, you know, whether your goal is an extra 2000 a month or 20000 a month, there's a point when you have total joy, when you're like, oh, I know what I need to do now. And that's what this book's about. It's getting people to look at their own data, their own track to run on, their own um, kind of business model and to get clear so they can then go make it happen and have that financial abundance or financial st stability that they've been hoping and wishing and praying for. So the subtitle is Know the Data Behind Your Dreams. That sounds a little scary. So to me, data, <laughs> data and joy don't go together. So right? how do you uh, how do you make that less scary for people? Yeah, so I'll tell you um, a quick little story here or a metaphor. Um, so there's three animals that I talk a lot about in the book that they have their own kind of financial picture, their own um, energy with, I mean, they're animals, right? But this idea that there's the snail and these people are slow and they're steady and maybe a little bit slimy, right? We've all networked with different types of people out there, but the snail is one of those people that can't make a decision to save their life or it might take them six months, right? And that's okay. I've had, um, you know, especially during grief, it's like, I don't make quick decisions, right? You're very, very slow. 
We actually drive really bad on the freeway too because of those limit. <laughs> but the snail is, is sometimes we're the snail in business, and that can be harmful when it comes to our financial joy. The second type of person is like an ostrich, and they've got their head kind of between their legs or in the sand, and they're not even looking at the data. They're they're scared of their debt. They they don't know what their sales numbers are. They're scared to retire and they haven't even set up a plan, right? They've just, they've kind of got their head in the sand and they're not even looking at the data. So there's obviously a lot of uh, harmful things there that can be, you know, bad. Um, and then the third type, and this is kind of a fun one, but it's the seagull. And this is the person that is out there and they're not afraid to capitalize. They're not afraid to sell. They're not afraid to add value and get compensated because they're out there saying, mine, mine. Mine, 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 right? So if you think of that, um, that, that one you know, cartoon where the seagulls come out, that's where in business you have to have a healthy level of saying mine. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say let's get greedy, but we need to be clear because if we can't or if we don't know the numbers we need to go after each month, we're not going to hit those goals. Because last time, um, I mean, when was the last time somebody just wrote you a five thousand dollar check? Right? It doesn't just happen on its own. We have to go ask people, "Would you like to, you know, sign up for my program?" Which is kind of a form of saying mine. So, um, I, I created that actually through Laugh Tech over the last couple of months, and and actually with Julie Morton, who was helping me with a financial intelligence course. But it's this idea that as women or men, we have to look at the numbers, and if we're not even looking at them, then we can't even figure out how to grow them or, um, you know, monetize the funnel or optimize, you know, something. And and that's where I just want people to look at the numbers. <laughs> and then because once you realize that, Kate, there's so much joy when you're like, ooh, if I go out and quote $75,000 a month, I know I can make 7500 a month. There's a lot of joy in that. Um and I don't know about you, but once I realized that from my own business, I was like, oh, I got this. I can do that. I can set my goal each month now to have my own sales quota to go make that happen. Um, so that's part of it. It's just helping people get clear on uh, – because money is kind of weird for me. Like I've had some months for clients where they'll make 40000 a month or some months they'll make 400 right? So for me, I've never – I mean, not since I was at Boeing, had that consistent paycheck. So the other part of financial joy is how do we look at the numbers without it being a big, scary spreadsheet, right? Because I don't know about you, but most people don't like spreadsheets. There's a handful of us who, who enjoy them. But in our non-average, people don't like them. So I'm taking this idea of looking at your months as you look at a clock or look at like a wreath or a circle where on the first, you know, might be at the 12 o'clock hand, on the eighth might be the three o'clock hand. Uh, you know, where the hands at is six, it might be maybe the 15th or 16th of the month. And then at the at the nine hand, it would be like the 25th of the month. So there's a circle. And once you realize some of my activities during the month are, you know, I need to, I need to contact people. I need to quote them. I need to plant a seed of, hey, we could collaborate. We could work together. You'd be a good fit for my team. You know, something like that. Or another Thing we could track is how many agreements or invoices or quotes did I actually send? How many times did I actually say, you know, for $400, I'll do this for you, or for $5,000, I'll do this for you? And then there's the pedal or the payment, right? The days that we get paid, because you know it, we don't always get paid the day we agree. It might be a week later, it might be 
several days later. And so it's creating this circular visual thing that's a lot more fun than a spreadsheet. It kind of looks like a flower or a bouquet of flowers around a wreath. And so it's kind of abstract. And I know some of the financial industry, I'm, I'm going to get some pushback, and I'm okay with that. But as long as we're talking about the numbers, and, and it's designed for women in general, because women love flowers. Who doesn't love getting the beautiful bouquet of flowers? Um, so it's this idea that we all have our own financial picture. And if we can have fun with it, have some color, have some variety in that month, it's like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Or if it's, you know, if we've got a lot of debt we're trying to pay off, it's, it might look totally different. But it gets people to look at the numbers. It gets them out of the, the ostrich mentality and into a, well, what am I actually working with? What are my goals? What do my goals need to be? to achieve whatever that earnings goal is. So it's mm. kind of fun, <laughs> kind of abstract. <laughs> is So it sounds like this is primarily for business people, for entrepreneurs. Is is it useful for, let's say, someone who does have a regular paycheck? Yeah, definitely. So if you get paid on the 1st and the 15th and you get, say, $3,000 each paycheck, you would then have basically a huge flower on the 1st and another huge flower on the 15th. Um, and then you would have like different dots for your expenses or different um, kind of icons might be the expenses, but then you could still visualize your income. Now, if you also had a rental property or you're in you know, an MLM or something, you got other paychecks, you might have other uh, flowers on that, you know, that wreath essentially. Uh, and part of it is getting you to clear, do you have more income coming in than your expenses, right? So there's a size kind of proportion thing to it. Um, and, and so much of the business owner, Part of what I do is social media marketing and, you know, creating an ad campaign, it's income creation, right? When you have a job and you get paid on the 1st and the 15th, you don't need to worry about this. You've got payment coming in. But the minute you lose your job or your spouse loses your job or you've got to be the, you know, like for me, I had to be my own sole source of income at that point. I had to, you know, get my stuff together really, really quickly. Um, and granted, I could have gotten a job, but I didn't want one. <laughs> Um, and so it, it's about income creation and not a lot of people talk about how do you take an idea and go create 20 grand or how do you take an idea and create $5,000 from that? And that's what sales and product development and, you know, social media can be is you can take an idea, put it in front of 50 people and make 600 bucks real quick. And people don't realize how fast they could be, you know, like, and that's where I want people to see, oh, if I've got 31 days in the month, I have 31 opportunities to add value and to get compensated for that value. And most people aren't even thinking about that. They're just like, oh, where's my next sale going to come from? <laughs> you know, they're not thinking, what's the problem in the marketplace and how do I solve that problem? Because right. one of the things we know is that money follows value. If you're adding value, you will get compensated. Right. That is true. So what is the first thing? If someone has really given away their power financially and they don't even have control of their own money or they really just don't understand it. What's the first step someone could take today to start their journey toward financial joy? Yeah, so definitely it's it's building a team and knowing that you like, and here's the crazy thing, Kate, I'm an artist at heart. Like I am not a financial guru. I just, I'm frustrated that nobody else is talking about it. So I'm trying to talk about it for people. Um, but one of the things is build your financial team, right? Have a bookkeeper. Um, I actually, 
2017, I went through three bookkeepers because I was frustrated and I was hungry to learn and not everybody wanted to teach and I needed to learn, right? So I actually um, I had a really high standards for my bookkeeper and I, I had to go through two before I found my current bookkeeper who I adore and she's helping me tremendously. Um, so having some standards, but ha- building a team, I mean, that's a really big part of it. And then having a goal, right? Some people... I ask my clients, you know, I show them the social audience matrix. I'm like, do you want to make, you know, do you want to reach 10,000 people with your message or do you want to reach 100 or do you want to reach a million? And sometimes they don't know, so it's getting clear on what's possible. And when I show them how quickly it can happen, they're like, well, shoot, of course, let's go for 100,000 because Mm -hmm. why not if they've got a good message? Um, But same with your income. You know, some people just want to make 5,000 a month and that would be freaking gold to them. Some people, they only want 2,500. Some people want 20 grand. So knowing what your goal is, um, I, I don't know about you, but my income, it, it's kind of like a yo-yo, or it was last year. Because some months were really good. Some months were a little bit less. Um, now that I've learned the whole, you know, that exact amount of what I need to quote to what I earn with the current conversion I'm at, it's just fun because I can, I have a plan, right? So getting um, hopeful about a plan is part of it too. And just being around people who are willing to talk about it. I think that a lot of us growing up, we weren't supposed to talk about numbers or money or you weren't supposed to say, well, my parents earned this much or, you know, like, I think people need to talk about it in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And that's part of where the remarkable room here for me is I get to have these conversations with people. But sometimes I talk to people in their 60s or 70s and they don't even know where they're at. I'm like, girl, we got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So you got to find out where you are and then where do you want to go? Um, because once you realize you have so much value to offer, because everybody listening does, you have tremendous value. It's just you may not be getting compensated yet for it. Um, but then it's how do you get compensated? You know, so, you know, within business, there's only seven things we need to succeed. Leadership, sales, marketing, product development, financial management, which is a huge piece, um, customer service and delivery, and then product development. And the product development is where we actually get to set our prices, you know, in within the marketing. Um, so a lot of coaches out there, they, you know, they don't know, are they 150 now or are they 200 or are they 45? And it's like, well, we get to set that rate, you know, so people get to make that own choice. Um, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of steps to it, but just, I think willing, being willing to talk about it will help getting creative with it. That's what helped me because, I mean, I have so many spreadsheets, but at the end of the day, that's not fun. And if something's not fun, I'm not doing it. So if I have to get my a flower <laughs> because it's yeah. fun, I'll do it. And everyone I've showed it to, they're like, this is awesome. I, I can actually visualize, yeah, I've got rent on the 14th, and I've got my cell phone here. And they start to look at the numbers because it's not scary. It's not a big spreadsheet. It's kind of fun and pretty. <laughs> yeah, making it fun and uh equating finances with joy, I think is definitely a new approach. So I think that'll work for a lot of people. That's a brilliant way to do it. Thank you. I'm really excited. I just, I want to help more people, you know, get to the point where they know their dreams. Um, And part of the book, it's going to talk about other numbers too. Like I'm trying really hard right now to buy a home or a condo. And so my credit score is another piece of data that, you know, obviously important to my dreams. So once people realize that credit score needs to be, you know, higher, then they can go work on it. But until you even know or like what your cholesterol should be or, you know, like there's a lot of different data points, but it's just, it's going to be a fun book on how to to get clear on those data points and then how do you go and, uh, you know, build the team to make it happen and, and have fun along the way, hopefully. When do you plan to release the book? 
spring of 2018 is the goal. <laughs> so I haven't quite finished it yet. So I've got to finish it, but I've got the concept and a ton of motivation and excitement for it. So I need, I need to find a good editor <laughs> and it'll be ready to go. So Awesome. We're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, what is one book or resource besides your own that changed your life that you would recommend to people? Yeah, so there's a really great book out there from this woman in Bothell, and it's called Calming Your Chaos. And if you've ever lost somebody or if you've ever had to you know, move houses, it's, it's about downsizing and right-sizing and getting clear on how to organize your stuff, right? Because if you're in overwhelm or you're grieving, it can be really, really hard to basically pull it all back together. And the book Calming Your Chaos is, talks about how basically to get to get some calm back into your life and how to be generous with those things or someone else's things that you may not be responsible for. So for me, that was a tremendous gift. Um, and she's got a whole pulse about, you know, generosity and giving your things back to places that can use them. Um, and it's just, it's been a tremendous resource just from the whole personal, you know, how do you calm that chaos? Mm-hmm. Calming your yeah, chaos. So, uh, calm, calming your chaos. Chaos uh, with Lisa Hawkinson. Lisa Hawkinson. Yep. Okay. Well, if people want to find out more about you and your work, maybe get a notification when the book is ready. How yep. do they do that? They can go to dreamosity.com and it's D R E A M O S I T Y.com. Excellent. Marcel Allen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thanks, Katie, for having me. I really appreciate you. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Marcel is an inspiration on so many levels. Following your passion, recognizing opportunity and your frustration that nobody is doing something you wish they would do, and of course, working through her grief and recovering from a tragedy, learning the lessons and growing stronger as time goes by. That's another way we sometimes give away our power. We experience a tragedy in our lives and we become mired in self-pity. We let the event define who we are and stay stuck there. That's one choice we can make, but it gives all the power to the tragedy. There are a lot of ways to justify this, and I'm not saying if someone did something awful to you that you shouldn't seek to hold that person accountable. If the cause becomes a defining life purpose for you, that's one thing, like Mothers Against Drunk Driving or other movements that have helped change societal perceptions and tolerance of detrimental behaviors, like the movement right now against sexual abuse and misconduct. Absolutely stand up and be heard and lend your voice to the righteous indignation that demands change. That is actually reclaiming your power. But if you're living in despondency, feeling alone, angry, and maybe even vindictive, that's giving away your power. That's letting the tragedy or perpetrator take everything from you. 
Your life is your choice and how you live it is your choice, regardless of what anyone else does or what is taken from you against your wishes. Like Marcel, you need to learn to crawl, then walk, then jog, then run again. Reclaim your personal power to make choices that are best for you so you can live your best life. If you're intrigued by the idea of product creation that Marcel mentioned, I invite you to listen to my previous podcast, Your Ideal Business and How to Become an Opportunity Analyst. You can find links to both and all previous podcasts on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. I also invite you to take advantage of my offer for a discounted personalized profiting from your passions consultation. You will receive a copy of the ebook, Finding Your True Calling. You'll do some exercises and send the answers to me. Then we'll get on the phone for 90 minutes, just you and me, and we'll talk through them and brainstorm ideas just for you. You will leave with one idea you're excited about and a next step. 30 days later, we'll talk again for 30 minutes and go through any questions or obstacles that came up for you. The regular price for this personalized consultation is $497, but for my podcast listeners only, through March 31st, 2018, the discounted price is just $197. I promise you will never see this offered for this price anywhere else. To take advantage of this offer, send an email to me at firstclasslifeatoutlook.com with the subject line podcast discount and we'll get you all set up. If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. If you have a story you'd like to share to inspire others as a guest on this podcast, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a good rating on your podcast network, subscribe to the show for notification of new episodes, and tell your friends. Next week, my guest will be community creator at InSpark Coworking, Tracy Warren. Tracy is also a social media strategist, community manager, and trainer at The Social Playground, and is a previous managing director of the eWomen Network Snohomish County Chapter, which has since merged into the Greater Seattle Snohomish County Chapter. Tracy's background includes experience in the direct selling industry, as well as being a chapter president of the Direct Selling Women's Alliance. I hope you'll join us. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.